When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. As always, we are joined by our super producer, uh, Noel Miscellaneous Brown. I like stick with that one. Yeah. And, uh, and most importantly, you guys are here, which makes this Car Stuff. So we jumped into our first Nuts and Bolts episode of 2016, and Nuts and Bolts is, is famous here around the office for being uh, the podcast that never ends. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like it's the one that never ends. Yeah, we always have a, a pile of material left over at the end, and I, I would guess that today that will still be the case, but uh, mm. we'll probably limit it to two episodes. So we won't go into a third, uh, but we are <laughs> constantly getting new stuff. In fact, we've got more stuff that has come in between parts one and two that I, I didn't even include here because I know we're not going to get to what I right. had left from last time. So uh, <laughs> that's a good problem to have, though, because that means yeah. that we're getting some fantastic topics sent in from people all over the place, just comments as well, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, did you see this video, this new technology? There's, you know, the auto show circuit is uh, is happening right now, so people are forwarding a lot of, uh, you know, latest technology news that's coming out of those, and uh, it's really, it, it's it's a fun time to be involved with car stuff. Ben. Right, and uh, part of this, uh, part of this show... I'm springing this on you here, is going to be a little bit of an interview about or a teaser about the episode that you did for CES with oh. our buddy Jonathan. Yeah, sure. Strickland. We can we can do that. Yeah, we'll talk about that just a little bit. And that way, um, you know, they can our listeners can head over there and listen to that if they like, because mm-hmm. uh, I know during that podcast, he was uh, he was prompting some of his tech stuff listeners to come over and listen to our show, because some of the uh, some of the topics that we touched on, uh, you know, mimic what we talk about here. They're very close They're very uh, they're they're. they're closely related now much yeah. more so than ever before yes yeah, ces this year was definitely almost a car show it seemed like it. yeah there was a, a huge portion of it that was dedicated to cars and car technology and you know whether that's apps or you know you know software upgrades or full vehicles you know that uh, they yeah. were releasing because they were just cool right and uh if you haven't checked out our episode on it yet Please, ladies and gentlemen, check out the Faraday, oh man, the Faraday future car, yeah. the FF0. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. Oh, yeah, that was. Uh, but before we get to that, we have some listener mail to catch up on. Oh, yes, we do. We've got, uh, got quite a bit. Do you, want, do you have a few that you want to share or you want me to uh, jump back into my list? Because here's what happened last time. I had 10 pieces, of, well, I guess I should say it this way, 10 Facebook suggestions from uh-huh. listeners and 10... Uh, email suggestions. And I thought I was going to get to all of them because I was going to do it the super fast way where I just right. got it, you know, line itemed out here. I only got the five of one group. I didn't even get to, uh, you know, half of what I had. So yeah, we have Miles, Ryan, Yijun, Bob, and Jason. Yeah, that's right. And there's, uh, 15 more to come, actually 16 more to come. So we could do it quick. We could do it yeah. real quick style if you like. And we've got other stuff to talk about. I've got magazines in front of me. I got notes. I got all kinds of stuff. I got some weird stuff too. <laughs> uh, so let's not stand on ceremony, Scott. Let's just dive right in. All right. So let's go back to Facebook. And, uh, we've got John Jay who wrote in and I wanted to hear about Modus motorcycles, M-O-T-U-S motorcycles. And this is interesting. They have a crate V4 engine. They call the baby, uh, the baby block V4. Which produces 180 horsepower and 125 pound feet of torque. 
and that's used in motorcycles, of course. But I think that you know they're talking about putting it on um, open wheel cars and cycle cars and you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Man, what a fun, what a, what a fun power plant that would be to have in whatever project you got going on. Oh yeah, are you kidding? And Forget you can get it, it as a crate motor, so you could put that on anything. If you have a custom frame, you want to add this to. Uh, so I think uh, Modus is something that we should definitely talk about. It's it's, yeah. it's descended supposedly from the small block V8. You know, like the, the, they call it the American V4. Hmm. Okay, and I think they were working with uh, some race car manufacturers recently, mm-hmm. right? Yes, uh, true. Pratt and Miller, uh, who were involved in the development of the MST. Uh, so, yeah, we will definitely look into that because I think those are so cool. How about this one from Paul L.? And Paul wrote in back in August of 2015. Remember, that was the other thing. A lot of these are coming from last year because we hadn't done a nuts and bolts since April of 2015. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is late 2015, August 2015, and he wrote in and wanted to hear about the BMW Z3 uh, the Roadster, I believe. That's uh, he says that he has one. He's had it for about three years. Put thirty-five thousand miles on it. It's a load of fun. I know you and I have talked about that in the past, and we've consistently said if there's a way to get our hands on a Z3 or a Z4, <laughs> you know, the uh, e- either one. I guess the Roadster or the uh, uh, the shooting brake design. That that. Cool. Oh yeah. Oh man, that'd be so much fun to drive. And uh, we we could do some more with the shooting brake design because that was one of the letters we had last. Uh, last episode. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. So um, we'll, we'll definitely get around to these. Um, Charlie M. wrote in in July of 2015 and wanted to hear about UTV racing. Now, these are the um, utility, uh, what are the utility task vehicles, I think uh-huh. is what that stands for, but the side-by-side. So you can just, you, it's not like a, an old four-wheeler where, you know, you ride uh, on the back like you would on a motorcycle almost on a single seat. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, side-by-side uh Open, open body. Exactly right. Polaris makes one called the RZR if you want to take a look at something, you know, mm-hmm. an example of these, mm-hmm. an excellent example of these. But um, I, I think that's really cool. It's uh, it's fun to watch, or um, rather UTV racing. Um, Randy L. wrote in in July of 2015 and wanted to hear the, uh, the oh, this is a good one, the Nissan 240SX story. And this is one of those cars that you just occasionally see it around town. It's an older vehicle, of course. You know, the 240SX hasn't been around for a while. I don't have specs in, or stats in front of me right now. Uh, but it hasn't been around for a while. This guy says that he's owned several, uh, you know, over the, the course of his driving history. Mm-hmm. And I think right now he's building one that is going to be a daily driver and kind of a weekend autocross car. But that's perfect for what these cars are. I mean, I see a lot of these turned into drift cars. Right. Um in fact, I've seen a few in parking lots around here practicing their drifting skills, <laughs> uh, which is, it's fun to watch. It really yeah, is. But you can't r- do it r- in our drive. parking lot. You can't do it in what? You can't do it in our parking oh, lot. Oh, no, no. It's way too crowded here it's in our parking bummer. lot. bummer. Yeah, and uh, even if it was empty on a weekend or something, it would be so dangerous with all those posts in the uh, in the indoor parking you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about that? Oh, you know what? The, the indoor? Yeah. I think we have, but I, I, this is one of my favorite topics, though, among the people here in the office, because... There's consistently uh, scrapes on rear quarter panels. Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a problem. And you're right, we have talked about it before. And if I recall, it was mostly just me complaining on a rant. That's probably uh, me too. Well, I have I've got a plan. I've been thinking about this. Okay. So what I've been thinking about is uh, how difficult it is to retaliate when someone does a piss poor parking job, Scott, and. You also have to be careful because if there's a, a row of open parking spots and there's one person parked askew, then we don't know if they had to park that way due to another car that has previously left. So oh, you, I you have to be careful when you judge. Except, my friend, in our parking deck because there are poles every two spaces, which means that it's uh, it's rarely going to be um, – someone else's faults when you do a bad parking job. Yes. So I've got this idea. I want to see what you think about it. I want to make a fake parking instruction course. (laughs) I want to make flyers for this. Yeah. I want to uh, pretend that it's a mandatory thing that comes from the owners of the building. And so I don't know how in-depth I want to get with it. I think I'll just, like, issue fake warnings that look kind of official. Yeah. And then and uh, and then warn, you know, like, a, a, your next notice or it, well, if you hit three notices, you will be required to attend the course. You're on the edge of dangerous territory with this one, I think, because 
I think you can leave a comical one that people, you know, have uh, seen those over the years, you know, with Mickey Mouse or something right, like yeah. you know, giving somebody the bird or something, you know, yeah. funny stuff like that. But um, and, and written in a, in a funny way. Yeah, this would be but written still mean. in a funny way. Yeah, but still mean spirited, I guess. Right? Oh, yeah. And then, and then the thing is, though, if you put the if you add the management logo to it or something like that, uh, that, uh, that may get you in a little bit of trouble. Oh, yeah, there might be a law. Might be. I don't know. You should look at it. I mean, there's probably ways around this, but uh, that's not a bad idea, though. I guess the real question is, how petty do I want to become when someone makes me a little bit late, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a that, that's an interesting point you bring up because uh, we and for those that haven't heard, this is real just a real quick version of it. It's an old building from the 1920s that right. we're in, a big warehouse. And the way the construction was back then, they had to have so many columns, these giant um, concrete columns throughout every floor of the whole building. I mean, no that's in our that's our office space. That's the the parking space or the area that they turned into parking space. Right. So literally, there's two parking spaces in between each column, and then that means that the the rows that you get to drive down are also two spaces wide. But that's little consolation when you're trying to pull in, uh, you know, to a parking spot that has a, a Cadillac that's already there or a big pickup truck. There, there are some spots that I just simply cannot get into or out of, yeah, because of the the vehicle that's already there. You have to kind of judge that way as well. And I, I noticed the other day, Ben, this is how tight it is when I'm backing out. Yeah. There's a um, an added yellow pole next to the uh, like a security pole of some kind for maybe a I think it's maybe for a fire extinguisher or something. Okay, yeah. Uh, next to the the column that I park next to every day, just kind of out of habit. It's a, it's an out of the way spot. I, I chose this one particularly, but when I'm exiting, it's so it's so tight that I have to plot exactly where I'm going to swing the wheel so that my mirror isn't removed by that column. And then I have to watch the left front to make sure that that doesn't clip the back end of the vehicle that's next to me. And thankfully, one of our uh, one of our coworkers here, Dylan, uh-huh. yeah. our, our photo, our image editor, uh-huh. he has parked next to me uh, routinely, I suppose, you know, almost every day. And he drives a Mini, and that's perfect <laughs> because you know we don't interfere with each other's each other's space at all. It works out just right. It's like a it's a symbiotic relationship out there in the parking lot. You know, it works. It's cool, but listen, man, it's a, it's a jungle as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've, I've I've actually taken some photos of scuffed quarter panels and the columns and how close they are up there. I've got two or three right now on the floor that I'm on. So, like, a huge orange scrape down the side of a BMW 7 Series. Oh, man. Or, no, I'm sorry, 5 Series. Oh, well, and still. Like, and we're talking from, like, the rear door to the, the back of the trunk. And then it's, you know, it's an orange and white. And then you look at the column right next to it, it's orange and white as well with the, missing paint. You know what? That's because people are trying to gun it when they're heading out. That's true. Yeah. I you get think. a little distracted yeah. and uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to bite you. That sounds like an interesting thing to post pictures of, just a collection of well, scraped quarter panels. I've started to gather them for the Facebook page, but I, I've got a small collection right now, to be honest. It's, it's very minor, you know, like three, three or four photos. Maybe I'll take, most. I'll take some as well and we can, we can join forces on that. Uh, so look forward to hearing more about that listeners or tell us about, uh, your worst parking lot experiences, parking decks. Uh, Randy, uh, I believe, Randy, you, odds are you probably heard our episode about the Nissan Skyline. I would think so. Yeah. yeah that was a pretty good one. Randy's a longtime listener. So, yeah. 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 Um, the next one, and this is the last one of the Facebook uh, group that I have, mm-hmm. Allison B. And Allison B. wrote in about car paint. Now, car paint, this is, she wrote in a long time ago, by the way. This is an early, early one. Maybe one we missed last April. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it that way. Okay. Uh, car paint, but in particular... You know, not how to paint a car, not how to care for the paint or anything like that, but unique paints, like uh, the color-shifting paints or the, mm-hmm. the kind that take, uh, you know, several days to cure, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe old paint technology versus new paint technology. Right. All, all the stuff involved with car paint. And I know we've done one about, you know, custom colors that, you know, Rolls-Royce has reserved for right. certain individuals. Was it the man that became a paint, I think is the yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a good one. It was that guy that made mattresses, right? That was uh-huh. his thing. Um but maybe like pearl paint jobs or chameleon paint jobs and, and just interesting uh, trademark colors maybe. That would be a good idea too. Yeah, and we also talked about, uh, you know, this one I wish we could cover again in the future, but we also talked about uh, straight out unpainted steel cars. Oh, yeah, we had a bare metal uh, yeah, episode, right? Yeah. And uh, I still see a ton of those online. And, uh, well, should I even say it? Should I even mention it again? I think, well, uh, okay, everybody. 
Scott has a personal horse in the race. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, my uh, my project car is currently bare metal and has been for a long time. Yeah. By oh, by the way, you know what? Maybe by maybe, choice. Yeah, yeah, by <laughs> choice. And maybe we should even talk about that uh, sometime soon because remember I had that that oil that I was uh, not not selling by any means. Right. But I had really investigated what what type of oil to put on the body in order to keep it in that condition, and then not be cruel to whoever buys it next and have an oil-soaked metal surface that can't be painted. Right. Uh, this one can be painted over after it's cleaned. Um, that stuff is remarkable. It's still holding up. There's no rust on that car. I've, I've had it bare metal in my garage for – I've had the car for like five years now, Ben. Yeah, a long sure. time. Yeah. Bare metal for probably three and a half of that, maybe three. Um no problems at all. Maybe where the garage door goes up and it drips some uh, raindrops on the on the trunk area, uh-huh. I'll see a tiny little spot and I'll just quickly wipe it down with a, uh, a Scotch Brite pad or something. So that's the weird thing is that although those cars look so unique and so cool, the maintenance on them is challenging. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, like what I've got right there. I mean, I, of course, I'm not taking it out in the elements, but uh, just for it to sit in my garage and not not have any kind of surface rust at all. Yeah. After three years, that's pretty remarkable. And I'm not like out there keeping up with it routinely either. It just, it just works. I can't wait till you uh, drive it down to the office. Uh, today. <laughs> I'm not parking in that structure, by the way. There's no way. No, no way. it's no, you, it's a land yacht. There's it's no a way. Newport. Yeah. We're not, uh, we're not bringing an 18 and a half foot long <laughs> Chrysler into that parking lot. It's not uh, designed for it. Uh, yes. But, uh, to that point, uh, Allison, we have looked at some uh, some different paints. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy the man who became a paint if you haven't if you haven't heard it yet. Currently, I think BMW's most expensive uh, paint job is the individual pure metal silver, hmm. which doesn't sound that impressive. Do I know how much it is? How much is it? It is a ten thousand and $300 option oh. for the M6 Grand Coupe. Wow. Now, I know that uh, sometimes they'll offer special edition Corvettes or something with a, a slightly different red paint or something like that. You know, like uh, they have the traditional Corvette red, and then if you want, like, this maroon-looking color, it's like an extra couple thousand bucks, but nowhere near 10300 bucks. That's a lot of money. Now, I think, I think, there's a, well, there's a couple of uh, versions of this, too, we can talk about. There, there was a car that was in carbon fiber, I believe, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it cost more to leave it unpainted than to paint it. Oh wow! Because they they clear coat the uh, carbon fiber and it, it gives it that uh, I guess a racing look, you know, like, uh-huh. more like a a true race car. And then there was another one, and I, I really want to say this was the Porsche nine eighteen, uh, the, the you know the uh, the spider that's coming out or that mm-hmm. is out rather. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the paint on that one was even more than the ten thousand three hundred bucks. I'm not sure, and I think it's like a liquid silver something. I, you know, they got a special name for it, but right, very very expensive option. Okay, here's another thing that goes into this. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's marketing and exclusivity, right? So maybe there's a special edition, to use BMW, maybe there's a special edition of an M3 or something. And only a very small number of these special editions have this once in a lifetime paint job. Sure. And people buy it just for the prestige, not because it's a better paint. Yeah. Or not because it does not because it matters at all to the rain, the sleet, the wind and the snow. But the um on the other side, there's a lot of really compelling material science behind how uh this stuff is crafted and how it's applied. And that's not even talking about crazy custom paint jobs like homemade racing stripes oh we did that older episode too about painting your car yourself with uh, a brush a brush or a roller or something yeah. like that and uh, and and with varying results right i mean yeah. uh, some people it turned out fantastic really really nice mm-hmm. job and other people had a miserable experience with it yeah you have to be obsessively obsessively meticulous. Oh, yes, very much so. And also, we've done one on plastic dip in your car. Oh, yeah. that, uh, that's kind of, that, that has kind of come and gone, hasn't it? I mean, I, <laughs> yes. I rarely see that anymore. I sometimes will see wheels that are plastic dipped now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I rarely see a car that has clearly been covered in that material. So maybe we will return to paint and see. Uh, I think we also did the world's most expensive paint job. You know, I'm trying to recall the name, and I'm wondering at this point, if it was a paint or if it was a polish, because oh. there are two very expensive ones. Um, yeah, we did an episode that was about the most expensive car things and whether that was, you know, a car polish or, or an oil change, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever it happened to be. Um, you know, certain types of wax that, uh, you know, the, the canister of wax was $10,000 yeah. just for the, the material. It's so weird. That's not even somebody applying it to your car. It's just the material cost that mm-hmm. much. Yeah, that's just parts. That doesn't count labor. <laughs> anyway, so there, it may surprise uh, some listeners to learn that there is such a a wealth of fascinating, weird stuff about paint. Yeah, know? there's a, there's a lot more than we've even touched on here, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll definitely get to something about paint in the near future. I, yeah. I promise you that because it's an interesting one. What's up next? All right, let's uh, let's jump into some of the email. Hey, you know what? How about this? Before we uh, jump into the email, hmm. let's um, let's talk about a couple other things. I got a few other little side note type things here that yeah. I want to mention. And one thing that uh, you know we've we've done here in the office recently is we've we've switched over to this. Uh, I don't know. Can you call it like a new way of putting out material? It's a, it's a, um, it's a faster turnaround on our information that we put up on our, our main site. It's called How Stuff Works Now. Yes. And, or now How Stuff Works. Now dot how stuff works yeah, com. Yeah. If you want to yeah. be exactly right, Ben, sure. But, um, <laughs> since we're trying to drive traffic to it. Right? right, right. All right. So one of the stories there that I edited, uh, was about mobile driver's licenses that are coming out of the state of Iowa. And they've got this pilot program that they invested, I think it was like 40000 bucks in last year, at the end of the year. Uh-huh. And only 15 people, and they're all state employees. I think they're Department of Transportation employees, but some maybe you know just state employees. I'll leave it at that. I can't remember. Uh, but they have these driver's licenses that were issued on smartphones. So you carry your smartphone with you. You don't have to carry oh, your, yeah, your yeah. wallet with you know your ID and everything in it if you don't want to. You can just have just your phone because right now you have to carry both, I guess, because everybody wants their phone with them. Uh, but when the, uh, you know, the the officer walks up to your window and asks for, you know, license, registration, ID, you can hand them your phone. And it looks just like a driver's license. And they can swipe to look at the back of the license for any information that mm-hmm. might be there. Yeah. There's also a feature that I think is really cool. It's it's instead of just a, a you know, two-dimensional shot of your face in the corner, 
this is more like a three-dimensional thing where yeah. it, the head can rotate like three-quarters of the way around or something like that. So you can get the profile view. The, the You get a, a much better sense of, is that really the person on this ID? And other things that can happen is like, you know, if you're over 21, that part of the license can be highlighted and very clear and very crisp. Um, the DMV can update this automatically, you know, through, uh, through their system. Uh, you can also make changes. You can request changes for them to make, I believe. But um, so if you were trying to, let's say that you're trying to uh, drive on a restricted license of some kind, of a revoked license or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the DMV could say, no, this person, as soon as, as soon as the judgment comes down in the court or wherever that comes from, they could add a, uh, I guess, a big red banner that says restricted or revoked or whatever, so that you know the the officer that you know has just stopped you for speeding or whatever infraction you've committed uh, would know right away that this person is on a restricted license. They wouldn't have to go back to the car and uh, and review that information you right. know, via their computer and just try to match up, you know, what's going on. Um, it's just a uh, it, it's a different way to do things. And I don't know if I totally agree with this yet um, because. Well, people lose their phones. There's that concern. Yeah. Uh, there'd have to be some type of technology that would keep whoever gets your phone from, you know, accessing that information. But, and I, th- that may be in place already. These you're security a, measures may be there. You're a Bluetooth exploit away. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. I think there's a lot of problems with this idea, but there's also a lot of good things about this idea. And, I, I hope they find a balance sometime soon and, and start to stretch this program out into other states. Well, it's also, I would say, given the current trends, it's also inevitable that we will see more and more things converge into stuff on a phone or a device. And ultimately, not to get too sci-fi about it, my friends, ultimately, the the phone thing or the PDA or whatever that we carry around will become something that is inside us somehow because yeah, because future generations are going to look back on one of the biggest technological revolutions that may occur in our lifetime. And that is freeing our hands from being the means of interaction with technology. Oh, you're blowing my mind, Ben inside uh, that technology will be inside our body. Some somehow, which to me is even more frightening. And uh, so, so here's the thing: you've probably heard that somewhere, you've read it somewhere, but uh, like, like me, we're still left scratching our head. How is that going to be possible? But if we knew the answer, we would be billionaires soon because well, it would yeah. be the way that we, the way that it would happen. But we don't know exactly how that's going to happen. But it's it's in the cards that that's kind of the way things are moving. It's right, and we don't know the timeline. But this right now, the technology involved in having a license on your phone has some very, very strong pros and some very frightening cons. Mm-hmm. So I want to know well, what you think, listeners. Would you, if you had this ability, would you do this? It, uh, it'll be much more convenient than a trip to DDS or DMV. Yeah, that's right. You don't ever have to do that again. You never have to go to the DMV, really. You that's, better hold on to your phone, though. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the other thing is, like, uh, you don't have to worry about having carrying your wallet around, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, that, to me, is a huge – well, it's a pain in the rear, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Scott Benjamin, no, ladies uh, and gentlemen. No, I, 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 con- I consistently uh, always, <laughs> always remove my wallet when I get into a car because that – I mean, it's not that there's so much cash in there or anything like that. It's It's just that – you have to carry around so many cards and so many uh, forms of ID and all that right. stuff with you all the time that yeah. it gets bulky and it's uncomfortable if you're going to be in a car for more than five minutes. It also may, be, uh, may have some bad effects on your back over time. Oh, sure, because you're sitting at an angle all the time and yeah. it's just the way it is. But honestly, I'm, I'm sort of – I'm 50-50 about this right now and I'll tell you I'm, I'm leaning more towards the side that there's more cons than there are pros to this. But – I, I do I, – I am hopeful that they work it out, that something you know that's agreeable to just about everybody uh, will uh, come of this. Well, yeah, you know, I'm agreeing with you in some ways. I don't, I don't know if I would want to do it, you know, because I, I want to see the statistics of how often phones are stolen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing statistic because it happens – I don't even know. I'm not even going to guess right now, but it's every, every second. So then instead of just having your phone stolen, you have your ID stolen, and then you also probably have your uh, banking information stolen. Oh, probably, yeah. I mean, it becomes uh, an even bigger asset for you to hang on to or, or something that's uh, much more troubling if it's lost, I guess.
What what's next? What's next? Uh, let's see. How about we jump back into uh, some of our listener email that is sent in, and I've got about I got about eleven of these, so we can go through them kind of quick because there's a few other things still, and um, I, you know I'll I'll tell you ahead of time what I want to get to. Okay. There's a uh, there's an article that is in the latest Popular Mechanics that uh, that I I really want to talk with you about because it's it's something that's right up your alley, my friend. It's right. uh, it's definitely something that it's expensive, but maybe we'll we'll someday get to it. All right. All right so. Yeah. All right, so let's get back in the email. And uh, Jonathan A. wrote in in September of 2015 and said, uh, to continue the Legends series, I thought you might like to talk about Richard Petty, the king. NASCAR. Oh, yeah. Why haven't we talked about Richard Petty? It seems like... Um, How have we not done that? I, I don't know. I, I know along the way we sure have. I mean, for sure. We've mentioned him, sure. Yeah, because we talk about NASCAR frequently on the right. show. So, um, yeah, we will definitely do a Legends series episode on Richard Petty. Great idea. Of course we will. Um, oh, and here's one that I can't remember who wrote this in. I, I tried to search for it in my uh, inbox, but I couldn't find it. This is just something that's been on our list forever, and it keeps getting bumped down and bumped down. Uh, you remember someone wrote in and said they would like to hear about piano makers that also built cars. Oh, yeah. There is a weird connection between, uh-huh. uh, like, old-world craftsmanship, you know, like old-world craftsmen, I guess, that built these really amazing pianos. That also decided to get into coach building, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it that way, right? But yeah. um, there's several of these. I mean, there's, there's a, a connection between Steinway and Mercedes Benz. Um, there's there's all these really weird, um, just maybe you know five or ten cars that were built, uh, you know, at, at the beginning, the dawn of the uh, the the, um, uh, the automobile, really, uh-huh. where you know these people got into it and they said, well, we're going to work on uh, you know making this car. It's going to be this amazing V16 powered car that has an incredible body on it. And then, like uh, you know, the the great earthquake in San Francisco destroyed the factory, and we never heard from them again. Yeah, uh, the cars, I mean, the, yeah. you know, the manufacturers. They went on to build more pianos, but not any more cars. Um, stuff like that happened, and really fascinating history behind it. So I think if we uh, if we dug into that, that would be a, a good one to do. Yeah, I'm, and there's I'm, more than one, by the way. There's I'm really glad that you brought that up because I I had forgotten about it. Yeah, that's one that uh, has slipped off the list, but <laughs> we'll try yeah. to get it back on. Um, Eric B. wrote in in August of 2015, and uh, this is an interesting. One. It's a tricky one, though, and okay. I don't know if we're I, I don't know if we can do this one or not. I'll maybe leave it up to you, and we'll talk about it, Ben. But, okay. Yeah. Um, h- how do you name a car? Where does a car name come from? Uh, it's it's really tough. I mean, what goes into that? What's the research that has to happen? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? You know, like you have to you have to do all kinds of studies, you know, case studies to find out if right. uh, if it uh, means something dirty in another language. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm thinking. We we talked at least about how difficult it is to name a car, but we didn't delve into some of the science and the exhaustive research behind naming it. Yeah, the psychology behind the whole thing, Yeah, too. That's, a, that's a good word, yeah. And, you know, uh, we have, we have. I know we've talked about kind of the alphabet soup version of this, you know, like uh-huh. where people are, well, manufacturers are coming up with, uh, you know, letter and number designations for their cars mm-hmm. rather than, you know, calling it the Corvette or calling it the, uh, you know, the Camaro or Would, whatever. Yeah, which I think cleverly cuts down on some of that stuff but then also you know an evocative name has this sort of value that cannot be defined easily oh yeah i mean you look at the dodge ram pickup truck how tough that is you know it's right. like a, it's a tough name yeah um you know it, it sounds good but then like where do some of the other weird ones come from you know, right, like some, right. Of, some of the the bizarre well, there's there's a million examples of this, but sure. but uh, I think it's it's a good idea. It's so tricky that I don't know. I don't know. We'll 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 think about that one, Eric. Um, and then of course we, you know, I'm going to mention this guy's last name, Rudy Smith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk yeah, about yeah. Rudy all the time, but Rudy wrote in in August of 2015, and uh, this is another one I cannot believe we haven't talked about, Ben. What? Food trucks. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. 
It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Food trucks are so popular. In yeah. Fact, in fact, we had for a while in this building, we had food trucks that were servicing uh, this whole complex because they had, didn't have the food court area open yet. Right. So every day, two or three food trucks would, would come around. We had a schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, they were always something different. It was something interesting and unique and to the usually area. really good. Yeah, they were good. And um, there's a lot to that. I mean, the design of the food truck, the, you know, what they mm-hmm. what they are capable of doing inside a truck and what they're not capable of doing. Ah, two things. Uh First, I was cracking up while we were talking about names of cars because I was remembering that one we made up what was the Ford Face Punch or something. <laughs> <laughs> or Falcon Face Punch. Falcon Face Punch. Yeah, the that Falcon Face Punch. And then second, uh, we had, for a time, we had a food science show that Kristen Conger from Stuff Mom Never Told You and I did, and we had an episode about food trucks. So I'm even more surprised that we didn't do it for car stuff. You didn't so, carry it over. But I, I didn't. I, you know what? I've watched a few of those, and they're hilarious. So if, oh, uh, if you get a you, chance, man. what was it called? Food Stuff? Food Stuff. It's a video series, and yeah. uh, pretty funny stuff. You guys were uh, really good in that. I like that. You both are, are good at improv-type stuff, so it, it worked out really well. Uh, too kind. And it's, too uh, kind. The listeners should check it out. It, besides... You know, besides that, I mean, we should definitely just talk about these because they're beyond uh, the era of the old, you know, the the roach coach that would come around. You know, it's right. not it's not like that anymore. There, there may be examples of that somewhere here and there on, on construction lots somewhere, but mm-hmm. we're talking about the type that show up to festivals and things like that. Yeah, we should talk about uh, the specs, the capacity, the companies making food trucks because in in many cases you might see uh, someone have that has a custom modification, right, on a, a delivery van or something. And then in other cases, you'll see something, a manufacturer that has created their own uh, sort of brand of food truck. And also, weirdly enough, there's so much red tape from city to city, from state to state uh, for a food truck to operate. And Georgia is a very difficult, or at least Atlanta specifically, uh, is, is a very difficult place uh, to operate a food truck. In. Yeah, so we could even talk about licensing and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. I just watched a movie recently that featured a food truck prominently. It was uh, a movie, I think it was called The Chef. Yeah, Chef with uh, John Favreau. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was pretty good. I mean, but yeah. it kind of shows you what it takes to, uh, well, in a in a very quick way. To refurbish an old one and bring it back, you know, and then and then they have a montage. Yeah, well, they did. They had a montage, <laughs> a cleaning, a cleaning montage, and then uh, you know, kind of traveling around the country with the sun. It was a good story. But, yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, I'd also like to see food truck races. That's it. It's <laughs> my last thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? All right, so um, let's see. Let's move on. Martin G wrote in in August of 2015 and said. Oh, you know, this is a good one. The Mustang variants. Um, so not just uh, this basic Mustang and the Mustang GT, but more like 
uh, the Boss version or the SVT or the Shelby or the Roush racing version. Oh, yeah. So uh, some there's some really fantastic Mustang variants uh-huh. out there that go back, you know, of course, to the very beginning. Uh, Clayton wrote in in July of 2015 and said he would like to hear about boutique cars or, uh, well, I guess boutique cars versus custom cars. Like, what's the difference? I mean, what's yeah, the, what gives? Yeah, what what is a boutique car versus what is a custom car? And uh, and I like that topic because I, I like boutique cars. I, I do. I mean, they're they're, fa- they're fascinating yeah. uh, studies, I suppose. Like just some of the weird things that they incorporate. You know, some of the the extra touches that right. they can do when they're only going to build ten a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do a lot. And we've talked about some of the companies making those as well. Yeah, right? we have. Yeah. yeah, along the way, I know we've. I know we have for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, another one. Uh, let's see. From June of 2015. Oh, this person goes by the name Icy Grasshopper. Okay. <laughs> so Icy Grasshopper. Good to hear from Wants you. to hear about, and, and you can veto this, Power Wheels. Now, Power Wheels are those little kid toys uh-huh. that are electric and, uh, you know, have a little battery. Oh, yeah. And the kids drive them around in the yard or the, the driveway or whatever. Oh, I'm well aware of not having one of those as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember I had access to one, but I didn't own one. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, the thing, and they were a little bit past my time. It was, you know, I was a little big to stuff myself into them. So right. um, it's actually, th- there's kind of an interesting history behind them. And now you can go online and see kids with massive collections of, of Power Wheels cars that you might go into the garage and they've got, and I know this is like, um, <laughs> I don't know how to put this, but some <laughs> spoiled rotten kids uh, have, <laughs> you know, half of the garage is dedicated to their Power Wheels collection. And you can see kids that have, you know, 18 or 20 cars and, I know that's the, the parents saying, ah, oh, this would be cool if he has a collection like this. And also, you know, I can show this off to my friends. It's kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or you've got the, the mini version of the car that I have out in the driveway for real. You know, that's kind of cool too. A yeah. Jeep, whether it's a Jeep or a Corvette or whatever it happens to and be. Yeah. Those, those miniature versions are perplexing to me because they're not as expensive as the car they are inspired by, but still for a toy. The price is astronomical. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, we're talking three, four hundred dollars sometimes, and you know, okay. Well, there's a lot we'll, to talk we'll get about. It, yeah, yeah. So maybe not a bad idea with that one. Yeah, no, no veto on my part. All but. right, Aaron S wrote in, and Aaron uh, has written in many times, but Aaron uh, in June of 2015 wanted to hear about the Gumpert Apollo. Oh, yeah. Um, which is a supercar that's relatively unknown. Speaking of boutique cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's a really cool car, really bad name. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's one I think we should definitely should cover. But yeah. Uh, in, in depth. I know we talked about it, I think, at the after its last. Uh, didn't it break a record at the Nürburgring? I think uh, it did. It did. We talked about it in the Nürburgring. Um, we also, I feel like we've talked about it a little bit when we did hypercars. Mm-hmm. Maybe we touched on it. Uh, but it is a beast, especially the um, the R version. And you know what? When you say Gumpert Apollo, it, it was in the news for a while. You know, like it right. was uh, it was making the, the the blog scene, I guess, for the uh, the automotive news. And then it kind of went away. So when you say it, everybody will kind of like their eyes will open up like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But mm-hmm. we just don't hear about it much anymore. So maybe it's worthwhile for us to do a, a full episode on the Gumpert Apollo. Yeah, I think that's a, up, that's a very good idea. All right. Now, Henny wrote in from New Zealand, and I believe in the past I have called Henny Henry. So I apologize for that. But um, <laughs> Henny wrote in and said uh, in August of 2015, um, he wanted to hear about the Morgan Motor Company. Now, I, I think we've talked about the Morgan three wheelers. Uh huh. We have. I feel like that. Now I don't know if we've ever done an episode on the Morgan Motor Company, but there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And mm-hmm. I, that's one of those cars, Ben. If if I ever found an old Morgan that was in need of some help, uh-huh. and uh, and I had the uh, the time and the you know, the cash to the, the wherewithal to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful car. I mean, just about everything in their product line, I like. I, yeah, I no consistently like their products. So. Um, Morgan Motor Company. That's a that's a great suggestion. And I love the history. I love the history uh, shows when we can take a look at the origin story of a company, and then I'm always happiest when we can go into the future. Yeah, it doesn't always work out, but I would love to check it out. It's <laughs> a very good one. Yeah, I like it. All right, and then uh, let's see. Let's move on. So um, Ben H wrote in in August of 2015, and uh, oh man, this one for sure we're okay. going to get to. This is a this okay. is quite a tale. This is the, um, and I'll, I'll do my best with this, the 1978 to 1979 Expedition de la America. And I'm, I'm Americanizing that, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but 
Uh, it, this is a 21,000 mile, 122 day trip that was taken in 1978 and 1979, uh, that went through the Darien Gap, which is, you know, the, the Pan American Highway break, right. I guess. Yeah. Uh, between, was it Panama and Colombia, I think? It took them 30 days just to cross the gap, but they went through it with Jeeps. They took oh, Jeep through okay. there. So yeah. they're taking four-wheel vehicles through this area that is a, I mean, it's a jungle, and it's a harsh jungle. Right. And they were literally hacking and cutting away the trail that they were to drive on. And then as they were, you know, making the slow, slow progress, because they went from um, the further, uh, this is in, of course, uh, North and South America, and they started in South America, and they started at Cape Horn in the south, and they went to the farthest point uh, of land that they could reach in the north. And again, 122 day trip, 21,000 miles. When they, when they were cutting their way through that 30 mile gap. Yeah. This is how long it took. You know, I mean, again, I, I think I already told you it took 30, 30 days, 30 days. 30 days. I don't remember how long the gap is. I, I uh, the gap itself is like nine, 99, a hundred miles long. Okay. So I, 99 miles long, 30 miles wide. All right. So I misspoke earlier. I meant 30 days to get through it and about a hundred miles. So roughly that. That's crazy. When they, when they got to the end, the, the trail that they had cut behind them had already overgrown. Like it was gone. The trail's gone. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a really, really tough trek. And, uh, this whole trip is, you know, is definitely something worthwhile talking about. I mean, cause there's gotta be a lot of adventure in this type of thing. That's, that is amazing. Yes. Sign me up. Yeah. That's a good one. And then, uh, the last listener email thing that I've got here before we get to something else, maybe, uh-huh. um, is another one from Rudy Smith. And this is, an, I'll just tell you, it's from a long time ago, but it's something I, I all the time think about when I'm on the road because I see these now high end pickup trucks. Uh, and now yeah. Rudy suggested this a long time ago. And I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. and I, I'm going to have to stretch my memory here with exactly what it was, but I think it was like his, brother-in-law's friend had taken a job delivering vehicles, you know, for people that had ordered, you know, through this Ford dealership. And some of these, you know, like Platinum Series Ford pickup trucks are getting up into like the $75,000 range or, you know, as high as, you know, $96,000 and up is not unheard of for a pickup truck. You know, if you're talking like a, a Platinum Ford F450 right. with all the bells and whistles, all, everything, all the options, everything you can get. You're talking ballpark $100,000 for a pickup truck. And here's the thing. When you start to realize what those costs, you know, like even the base versions of them. Right. And you look around in traffic and you see a Ford Platinum Edition truck, that's something special. It doesn't necessarily jump out at you, but it is something special. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, other manufacturers do this as well. It's not just Ford. So I I think there's a a whole market of trucks out there that a lot of people just don't know exist. Upmarket trucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, of course... We can also tie into this one if we wanted to, like the King Ranch editions and, you know, the, the special edition trucks that, that come out that, you know, garner a higher price, but they're, they're unique in more than just price. They've got a lot of interesting features. Yeah, I like that. And to be candid, I want to hear what you think about this, listeners. I go back and forth on the high-end truck thing. If it is, if it is something that affects performance, then I can understand. And, you know, it, as always, I would say the same thing to anybody buying a vehicle. It's your money. Get what you want, whatever makes you happy. But to me, there is a disconnect because it's like pickup trucks are like blue jeans, right? They are made to do a task or to help you work. Mm-hmm. So high-end blue jeans, the, you know, like the people who pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for jeans, there's nothing wrong with that, but – it is not what blue jeans were originally intended to be. Can I, uh, can I say something? Yeah, that, this, this ties right in with this. All right. We've talked about this building several times now, maybe even in, in this podcast. We've oh, talked about here this, we right? go. <laughs> did you know, did you know, and this is not a great news, by the way, but right. there in, in our building down, downstairs, uh, early part of December of 2015, there was a smash and grab, uh, um, robbery yeah. of a high end jean shop in our building. Mm-hmm. This number blows me away. They stole. $30,000 worth of jeans out of that store. So we're talking like five or six pairs of jeans that they took, and it's worth 30000 No, I'm kidding. It's not five or six yeah, pairs. But, but was, I'm joking with you about that. But $30,000 in jeans. That's crazy. I, that's incredible. That's probably like, um, you know, all the... Uh, <laughs> All the old types of jeans that I wear, that's probably like a, a you know, year's worth of production at the factory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not just what's on the shelf. It's, it's strange because that was a very organized 
that was a very organized crime to it wasn't just an impulsive smash and grab. They had three different cars. They had, uh, you know, stolen those cars. So this was clearly planned. And I don't I don't know if they got caught. Crazy, isn't it? I, I don't know either. And uh, it's just a, a weird thing. But I had to mention it when you mentioned yeah, high yeah, end yeah. jeans, because uh, to me, it is kind of it. I understand some people just feel the need to do that, but I, I don't ever think I need to pay more than about 30 bucks for a pair of jeans. I mean, again, you know, do what makes you happy. Scott and longtime listeners and Noel, uh, you guys already know how I feel about this. You can just assume and your assumption is correct. But listen, also, so we got to tie this back into the truck. So oh, I, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I have to. Yeah, yeah. Because you said if it's performance, you kind of understand it. Go ahead and do the, the uh, you know, the upgrade. You know, right, I'll, I'll pay right, for that. Right. But I'm not going to pay for a luxury item on my pickup truck. But what if you're hauling horses across the country all the time? And, That's a really good point. You, know, you're you spend in, a lot of time. And you have to have a truck. You can't get a Cadillac to do that. I mean, that. Right. Uh, or, Okay, not a, not maybe an Escalade good or something, but um, you want a pickup truck, you know, something that's uh, sturdy, dependable, rugged, you know, every every other feature that you need, but it's not comfortable. You want something that's going to, uh, you know, keep you comfortable on those long cross country trips, or mm-hmm. you know, if you're in it, you know, 365 days a year, that's going to be something that's important to you. So every every vehicle has its own market, whether that's a, a micro niche market or what, but um, right. but. I am seeing a lot of these platinum pickup trucks on the road and other versions of that from other manufacturers too. So there's something to that, that, uh, that niche market. Oh man. People are paying for it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Scott, I'm bummed. No, this I don't mean. This is our last thing. <laughs> oh, this is, uh, you're, you're bummed about that. I thought you were bummed that I was, uh, like, I kind of took the other side on that one. No, no, I'm not bummed about oh, that. Okay. That's fine. Oh, okay. That's fine. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, this is an epic show we've been doing here. This is a long time we've been, uh, sitting across from each other at this table. Hey. <laughs> um, so, but but it's worth it because we're going to wrap up with something that is incredibly cool. And I told you this was in the latest edition of Popular Mechanics. And it's the one that uh, what did it come out here between December and January this year. Mm-hmm. Ben, this is so cool. I, I pitched this at today's meeting, by the way, our our uh, our now idea meeting. Right. This is an evasive driving course that is offered in West Virginia. What? And yeah, evasive driving now. You may be a little bit puzzled by what that means exactly, but I'll tell you. And now, it's expensive. Uh, again, this is offered in West Virginia at the Summit Point Motorsports Park, and it's called the BSR Evasive Driving Course. It's $1,700 for two days. However, the people that attend this, now it's open to the public, so okay. that's that's one thing. You, you just can, need like a valid license. You can go. But the people that generally go to this thing are either bodyguards. Law enforcement. Chauffeurs, no, not law enforcement, because they have their own thing. That's right. Special forces. Wow. So that gives you an idea of what these people are going to learn at this at this course. So um, there's a there's a, a small article here. It's just really one page, and it's titled "How to Drive Like a Secret Agent," and <laughs> it says without all the bothersome espionage to slow you down. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. What a cool course this is. It it tells you how to evade, uh, you know, a, another vehicle if you know when the bullets start to fly. And where's the safest place to be if that happens? You know, if, if, if when you get out of the vehicle, the safest place to be. How to ram a blockade in front of you. How to safely ram and get through successfully yeah. a blockade that appears in front of you. Uh, what to do if the driver of your vehicle is shot while you're driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this in, in a real-life example. I mean, the, the instructor will be driving, suddenly slumped over the wheel or, uh, you know, passed out, you know, in air quotes, passed out. Right. But with his foot firmly planted on the fuel. Uh, you know, what What do you do? I mean, so, and they tell you exactly how to regain control of that vehicle and how to handle all these situations. And it's it's a fascinating course. So, um, of course, there's way more to it than that. And there's, a, again, like this blockade thing that I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, they show a multiple vehicle blockade and they tell you exactly what speed you need to hit, when, uh-huh. you know, what, when you need, need to accelerate, when you need to brake. Where you need to hit that car specifically to get through, um, of course, alternates. You don't always look for alternates, but it's about keeping a, a level head on your shoulder and how to get out of just terrifying situations. We have we have to do this. Yeah, it's a, it's it really seems like something that is is worthwhile. I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, I, I sure. would imagine that it would cause some trauma to some people mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot going on here. But you know, just thinking about the situations that you could be in, uh, it might you know, 
spark some fear in some people that, you know, that are prone to that. But if you are one that is just genuinely fascinated with it or want to gain better car control for whatever reason, sure, this is a, this is a great course. And I'm not selling it or anything like that, but I think this is something that we could talk in depth about in an episode and, and it would be fun. Agreed. And you have made my day. Uh, I, I, I'm tempted to see if they have a certificate because that's something I would frame and put on a wall. Maybe you could hop a train to get to West Virginia <laughs> and take this course. That'd be the, that'd be the ultimate. What big coal town. I mean, big coal state. So they have a lot of, they have a lot of rails there. You're right. Um, if wow, just like the possibilities are so cool. We can't tell everybody about this though, because if everyone is schooled in these techniques, then our certain set of skills will lose some value. It becomes ineffective, really, at that point, because mm-hmm. they can just counter that. Now, the other thing is, I wonder if you're able to even mention who's there with you, because I bet a lot of people don't want to be recognized when they're there. Right, um, yeah, know, just, that makes sense. Just keep a low profile. Um, so probably but, no no certificate, no class pictures. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you can probably tell who's there just as general public and who's there as like part of special forces or a, a, a chauffeur that isn't, um, you know, they'll probably never tell you who they're driving, uh, right. what celebrity or, you know, whatever, a superstar of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just imagine the scenarios that, that could happen. And this, this course will tell you how to, uh, how to work around that problem. All right. Yeah. Well, I need to know. So, uh, <laughs> well, again, that's called, out. if you want to look it up, it's, uh, it's BSR evasive driving course. And again, that's at the Summit Point Motorsports Park in West Virginia. So, Take a look at that if you want to, and we'll try to, uh, to to get that on our list of potential topics for the near future. Right, and that we can also look at some other evasive training courses. How do people le- learn to drive like James Bond or like stunt car drivers? Yeah, now this can't. Yeah, because this can't be the only nah. version of this in the whole world or even in the United States. So, um, you know, it, it's something we should definitely look into. Mm-hmm. And Ben, I know we're wrapping up, but yeah, uh, it seems like. I got more stuff to cover. We're Me not going to do. Here we're we not going to do again. a part three. But um, is there anything extra that you want to toss in there? That, uh, uh, or, or should we just cut it right here? I, you know, I think we may have to. I think we may have to cut it because I want to save some of this stuff um, and do it justice, maybe in future episodes. But perhaps the next time we do a nuts and bolts, listeners, we can have uh, Noel play some sad music and just do an honorable mention. Of the topics we didn't get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, you can see we've got a pile of them. And uh-huh. that was just a fast laundry list of, you know, 20. And you can imagine that along the way, we're going to find some things in the news or whatever that we're going to throw in there as well. So if you heard yours mentioned and yeah. we said we're going to get to it, we, we it's on the list. We're getting to it. And there's others out there that we didn't read today that are also on the list. We're going to pepper in our own ideas as well. So, mm-hmm. again, this thing always ends up uh, – a list like that could stretch us through the rest of the year, really. Yes, and so another chapter of Nuts and Bolts draws to a close. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone, especially John, Paul, Charlie, Randy, Allison, Jonathan, Eric, Rudy, Martin, Clayton, Icy Grasshopper, Aaron, Henny, Ben, Rudy, again. Uh, and, you know, as always, uh, thanks everyone that we, we didn't get to. But we got through a lot today. That's impressive, Ben. You just did that off the top of your head, too. You don't even have a list in front of you or anything. You just remember all that stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, I totally don't stop you partway through and say, uh, like, like some, uh, Nazi interrogator in a World War II movie, give me some names. No, you're like, you're like Rain Man over there. It's great. Good job. Thank you, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a compliment. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so tell us what about these interested you the most we uh we found so many great topics today and uh several we always know it's going to be a good day when we find a couple that surprise us because we haven't done them richard petty i'm still baffled scott yeah food trucks so there's a million of these so we're gonna hunker down for some research hit the road to check out some stuff firsthand and we will be back next week as always with a brand new topic in the meantime if you want to see some stuff that didn't make it to the air for one reason or another check us out on the internet we are car stuff hsw at both facebook and twitter you know all those old episodes we mentioned you can listen to them for free right now every single one we've ever done yeah on carstuffshow.com and uh, man what do we have to now i didn't even look at the the number but we're well above 700 i know we have to start uh, figuring out what we want to do for that thousandth episode yeah, you're right what is uh, what does itunes cover they cover like the top 300 i think yeah so if you want the the full list 
uh, check out our website, and that's uh, that's where you get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Carstuffshow.com. And if you want to take a page from uh, your fellow listeners' book uh, and send us an email directly, then we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can write to Scott and Noel and I directly. We are Carstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. More on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.